humbled uh, to, to be before you. Why don't you take your Bible there, if you have it in your lap. I want you to go to Romans chapter 16. Romans chapter number 16, if you have a copy of God's Word. Just look at, a, look at this passage and finish out this book this evening, just for the sake of time, and a little quick Bible study from God's Word, trusting He'll help us through His Scriptures. Romans 16, the last chapter, of course, of the book of Romans. And uh, we're going to go down this evening to the last, the last few verses as well, okay? Find your place there in verse number. We'll begin, let's do in uh, verse 25, all right? Verse 25. So Romans 16, uh, verse 25. But we're going to finish out the chapter and finish out the book this evening, all right? The Bible says this in Romans 16, verse 25. Now to him that is of power to establish you according to my gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ, according to the revelation of the mystery which was kept secret since the world began. Verse 26. But now is made manifest. And by the scriptures of the prophets, according to the commandment of the everlasting God, made known to all nations for the obedience of faith. Verse 27, to God only wise be glory. Through Jesus Christ forever. Amen. Let's pray. Lord, we, we love you. We thank you so much for this day. Thank you for this Wednesday night. Lord, we, we were able to come and worship you. Lord, thank you for this sweet church. Lord, Boiling Springs Baptist, I pray you continue to have your hand of blessing here. Lord, these people have come to hear from you. They haven't come to hear from me. So, Father, I pray you speak to their hearts this evening. Lord, I can merely speak to ears. But, God, you can speak to hearts. And I pray you do that through your word uh, this evening. I pray you set a watch before my mouth. Lord, you keep the doors of my lips. Lord, be with my wife and family as I'm away. And, uh, Lord, we're so thankful to serve a great God like you. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Excuse me. I, I, if I gave you the hypothetical, just, just hypothetically, the task to, um, to write a letter, I wanted you to write a letter. You say, well, that's okay, I can do that. It's kind of a lost art, isn't it, writing letters? I know I get one letter uh, a year from my grandmother on my birthday, and she writes a letter to me, and it has a happy birthday with a little bit of cash in there. I like getting that letter. But uh, I don't really want to write letters too much, but if I had you to write a letter, uh, and you say, okay, who, who do you want me to write it to? I want you to write a letter to the believers that are in Mozambique. It'd be interesting, wouldn't it? What would you put in your letter? What would you write about? Um, many of us had not been to Mozambique. I'd be willing to ask if, if you've been to Mozambique. Many of us probably hadn't. Maybe, maybe some of us have, but many of us hadn't. But listen, there are believers there. They love the Lord, serve God. They, they're born again. They have families and jobs and dreams just like you and I have, and they're there. What would you write to those believers? What would you tell them about? Tell them about your, your grandkids or tell them about school that you're in. Would you tell them about your family? Uh, tell them about uh, your favorite sports team. You know, I don't know. What would you put in it? A lot of it would probably be a waste of time to them. It wouldn't, it wouldn't relate. What would you write? You say, well, that's kind of an interesting thing to think about. Why are you asking me that? Well, because I kind of came to that thought at the end of the book of Romans. You see, it's kind of a similar situation. The Apostle Paul has been given a task. But his task has been given by the Most High God. We understand that all Scripture is given by inspiration of God. It's profitable for doctrine, reproof, correction, instruction, and righteousness. So the book of Romans was really written by the Holy Spirit. That's what the Bible is saying. But the, the Apostle Paul was the human author. He was given a task to write a letter to the Roman believers. See, in this position, the Apostle Paul's ministry, he had not yet been to Rome. He had never been there before. Now, we know that his, he wants to get there, right? All throughout, all throughout the missionary endeavors of Paul, his sights are set at Rome. The Apostle wants to get to Rome. He wants to preach Jesus there. As a matter of fact, at the very beginning of the book of Romans, uh, he says, remember, as much as is in me. Remember that? I'm ready to preach the gospel to you that are at Rome. I, I want to preach to you. And he wants to get there. And sure enough, we know from his missionary endeavors that he does make it to Rome. And he's there for two years. And of course, he's assassinated. Uh, but, but, but before that, this is, this is the text that we're in. So the book of Romans, man, I love it. It's a really unique book. It's kind of a, a mainstream book. And uh, it deals a lot with uh, salvation. 
But if you get a chance to lead someone to Christ, you know, you're going to find yourself oftentimes in the book of Romans, uh, the Romans road of salvation. Not only salvation, uh, it deals a lot with uh, sanctification. You know, now that we're saved, how do we live sanctified lives for the honor and glory of our God? And not only sanctification, but then, then service. Remember chapters like uh, chapter 14, how do we serve one another and uh, live uh, for the body of Christ and for the glory of the Lord? And, uh, and th- this is the closing remarks here that we just read, the conclusion uh, the, uh, the conclusion of the book, whatever you want to call it, doxology, some may say, but it's just a thrust, really. It's a thrust from the Holy Spirit of God to the Roman believers to continue holding fast to a few things. And uh, I'm looking before me at a, a sweet church that loves the Lord and has a wonderful testimony for God and, and is going to stand behind uh, the, the faith of the Lord. But as we continue in our faith, in times that we live in, in a culture that we live in that doesn't accept our beliefs, that doesn't accept our Bible, doesn't accept our God, what are we to do? Who are we to hold to? What are we to cling to? And the Roman believers found themselves in a very unique situation as well. A very worldly culture, a culture that was neglecting of the Lord, it didn't, didn't seek after holiness. They had all the gladiators and filth and, 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 and idolatry and immorality you could ever ask for. But there were believers there that God had called forth, set apart for a specific reason and for a task. And it's similar today. And I see so many Christians around America that kind of just, you know, they wave the white flag of surrender. Let's just hold on until Jesus comes, right? Let's just, let's just hang on until we get out and we all get called out of here. But listen, the desire of our God is not that we just hold on, but that we move forward. That we take ground. There's still ground yet to be covered. There's still souls yet to be saved. You understand? There's still lives still to be saved. God still wants to use you in this church for a great work and a great purpose. You say, well, how do you know that? Well, we're still here, aren't we? We're still alive. We're still breathing. There's still breath in our lungs. If God were done with us, we'd be out of here. I mean, we'd have no other purpose, but God has a purpose for you being alive. He's got a reason. He's got somebody for you to impact with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And once you're out of here, we're we're done, right? It's it's over. But until that take comes, we ought to be moving forward for the cause of the gospel. The book of Romans deals a lot, um, it's, it's, it has a little bit of a different feel than maybe uh, like 1st and 2nd Corinthians. Right? If you read 1st and 2nd Corinthians, and then you read the book of Romans, you'd understand that the context is just a little bit different. The Apostle Paul had a, had a great tie, personal tie, really, to the church of Corinth. Remember back in, in Acts chapter 18, the Apostle Paul was on his missionary journey, and he came to Corinth there, and he was a little bit discouraged and downcast, and, and the Holy Spirit came to the Apostle Paul and said, listen, I've got much people in this city. Boldly preach Jesus. So the Bible tells us he, he linked up with a couple. Remember Aquila and Priscilla? They were there making tents, and the Apostle Paul linked up and worked with them. And for a year and a half, the Apostle Paul was there in Corinth. And he was working in that church, and God built the church of Corinth. And it's a great thing. He writes back two letters that we have in our English Bible, of course, to that church. And when he got ear and got word that the church of Corinth was acting immoral, they were doing very sick things, they were, they were abusing things like the Lord's Supper, for instance. They were using it for their belly and not for the edifying of the Lord. They were divided. You know, some said, I'm of Apollos, and others said, well, I'm of Cephas. Uh, well, I'm of Jesus. If y'all are, you know, they were just divided. Apostle Paul said, this shouldn't be the case. There was some sick immorality going on. He said, you need to handle that, to get that taken care of, and remove that man from the church until it's, until it's, uh, until it's restored. There's some other things that they, they've just dealt with. And, and so the Apostle Paul, when he got, when he got word, he knew a lot about that church. He knew a lot about the church of Corinth. He probably married that couple. You know, he probably went to that funeral. He probably had, had dinner in that, in that family's home. And so he had a personal tie there. And so 1 Corinthians has a lot different of a feel than Romans. But Romans here, the Apostle Paul is writing to believers. Who knows who's, who's going to listen? You know, who, 
He doesn't have a clue. He's got some idea. That's what Romans 16 is, actually. It's a list of like 28 to 30 names there, in, there before you in your lap of just believers. You know, salute that family and greet that brother and greet that sister. Uh, some of them you probably recognize as students of the Bible, like Aquila and Priscilla. Remember? Aquila and Priscilla had moved from Corinth, and now they're living in Rome. They've moved there for work or whatever it was, and now they're serving there. He said, hey, greet Aquila and Priscilla too. They were their old boss, you know. And so the Apostle Paul, when he's writing here, he doesn't exactly understand everything, but he's being led of the Holy Spirit of God. And so what we have here is a desire to continue. The Apostle Paul obviously wants these Christians to continue on in a very worldly culture. And today, 2022, the same applies to you and I. We are to continue holding fast as we continue in the faith. And I know, the, I know this church won't move and the pulpit won't move. and We're not going to move from the Word of God, but think introspectly. Think in our own hearts. What are we holding fast to? Let's look at, just look at three this evening, just for sake of time, just quickly in the, in the text before us. Ready? Verse 25. Now to him. Now to him. Who's him? Well, of course, it's Jesus Christ. Now to him that is of power to establish you or to strengthen you according to my gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ. Hey, dear friend, number one, I think as we continue, we should preach Jesus Christ. You see it there? You see it right there in the text? Preach Jesus. Preach Jesus, Rome. Hey, in all that you do, preach Jesus Christ. Let the message of the gospel be the message of the gospel. We preach how that Christ died for our sins, how that he was buried, and how that he rose again the third day according to the scriptures. We don't need to add to the gospel. We don't need to take away from the gospel. Hey, Rome, preach Jesus. You say, well, that's such a, what else do we, hey, that's the message the Holy Spirit wanted them to do. Excuse me, sorry about that. Preach Jesus. Preach Jesus, Rome. Why? Because Rome, they needed Jesus. You understand? The the people around them needed Jesus Christ. And dear friend, today we can turn on the television, we can listen to a lot of preaching. We can hear about this and we can hear about that. You can turn on the news channel. You can hear a lot of people preach. You understand? They'll preach about this and preach about that. But the message is what? Jesus Christ. Hey, we ought to be about Jesus Christ. Preaching Jesus every single day. Preaching doesn't just happen three times a week behind a pulpit. People are watching you. They're watching you at work, and they're watching you at family get-togethers, and at Thanksgiving and Christmas time. They're watching what you do and how you handle things. There's nurses right now in the NICU that are watching my wife. They're seeing how she handles news and situations. They're watching us. They've told us, man, it's, it's unique. We're, we get to be witnesses and ambassadors for Christ every day. And, and the Holy Spirit saying, listen, Christians, preach Jesus. Let's be about the gospel. Remember Philippians 1, uh, 27 or 28, the, the Apostle Paul said, Only let your conversation be as it becometh the gospel of Jesus Christ. And all that we do and all that we say, let people know that we're a Christian. Man, I know sometimes, sometimes we as born-again Christians that have been saved, we can get callous to the gospel. We really can. We really can. Because we hear it and we sing it and we teach it. But, but listen, to, to us it might be, it's a news that, 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 that should never get old. It should never get old. Let's hear it again. Let's sing it again. Let's preach it again. Why? Because it's in that message, the gospel of Jesus Christ, that we're saved. And it's still the power of God unto salvation. But to the lost world, it's still a mystery. It's still a mystery. They don't know. I remember when I was a, a young man, it was senior year of high school, there in Knoxville, we had a, a dear older couple that were just faithful in our church, our sitting church at Southside Baptist there in Knoxville, Tennessee. And uh, my dad was the assistant pastor at the time. And this older couple, uh, he, he, was, he was faithful, 40 years, member there at the church. And he was just a, just a hard worker and just strong as an ox, you know, and just loved the Lord. But he, he developed Alzheimer's. And, and I remember um, Miss, Miss Mary Jones, and he, he was Brother Jim Jones. And Miss Mary said, listen, we're, he, he's going down pretty quickly. And Noah, if you don't mind, would you come and just sit with him during the evening time? 
Would you come and sit with them? And, and I, instead of putting them on in a home, I'd rather just allow them to, to slip on into glory at his own house. And so I, I agreed to that. At the evenings, I'd go and I'd sit with Brother Jim. And, and it, was, it was a good time. It was a sweet time. But there were moments of just frustration. You know, Alzheimer's is a terrible, terrible thing. Just began to just eat at his brain. And I saw a man who just loved the Lord and who was sound just begin to deteriorate quickly, very, very quickly. And he would do things that were just unseemly. Uh, you know, he would do things uncharacteristic, really. And it wasn't like Jim. And uh, I remember one night I was sitting there, it was, you know, two in the morning or something. I, it, Brother Jim was doing something that was just uncharacteristic. And Miss Mary came in and she grabbed my hand. And I think I might have been 18 years old at the time, maybe 17. She sat down on the couch and Miss Mary started praying. She said, would you pray with me? She started praying. This saint, just dear saint of the Lord, started asking God to take her husband Jim to glory. That's what she began praying. And it says, 17 years old, I learned a very valuable lesson that night. This is what it was. That there comes a point in the life of a Christian that death is their friend. You understand? You know what I'm saying there? Well, it kind of is a morbid thought, but there comes a point in the life of a Christian where death is their friend. It really is, because then there's, a, there's, a, there's an eternity with Jesus to gain. And I learned that. I thought it was, it was a very hard thing to kind of stomach, but I did. I learned it. But you know what I also realized? That there comes a point in the life of an unbeliever where death will never be their friend. Never. There'll never be a good time for a lost person to die. You understand? There's hell ahead of them. And so you and I, as born-again Christians, we got to be about Jesus. You understand? we got to be about the gospel. Who can we share Jesus with tomorrow? Who can we share Jesus with this week? And who can we share Jesus with this Thanksgiving, or this Christmas season? Who can we share Jesus with? Because if they die without Christ, it's going to be a terrible day. It's going to be a terrible time. So the Apostle Paul, the Holy Spirit, saying, Rome, preach Jesus. Please keep the message of the gospel, the message of the gospel. No matter what other churches do, no matter what other Christians do, no, other, no, no matter what other preachers do as they move away from the gospel, we ought to be about Jesus. We ought to be about this message. Let's not move on the gospel. Think introspect. Let's not move. Let's be about Jesus. Preaching Christ to people we come into contact with. Uh, so, just, just, so, uh, just witnessing to people. Right? I, I get convicted of it more than anybody else. Man, because sometimes the Holy Spirit will just convict my heart here or there. Let's be soul conscious. Soul conscious about getting the gospel to people who don't have it. Hey, Rome, preach Jesus. Now to him that's of power, a preaching of uh, the Jesus Christ according, look at verse 25, according to the revelation, the mystery, which was kept secret since the world began. But look, look at verse 26. But now is made manifest. And by the scriptures of the prophets, according to the commandment of the everlasting God, made known to all nations for the obedience of faith. Not, number one, I think we should preach Jesus Christ. Number two, as we're here in the text, verse 26, I think we should proclaim this message to all nations. Do you see it there in the end? Verse 26. Made known to all nations for the obedience of faith. Hey, Rome, preach Jesus. But hey, Rome, in all of our preaching, let's not forget the nations. Do you see it there? Let's not forget those beyond our walls. Let's not forget the, the, those who don't know Christ. Hey, preach Jesus. Preach Him, but proclaim it to all nations. This message ought to be made known to all nations. And the same applies today, dear friend. Dear friend, there are, there are people beyond our walls that do not know about Jesus. And we ought to be about getting the gospel to all nations. Remember, remember Psalm 17, 117. Praise the Lord, all ye nations. Praise Him, all ye people. For His merciful kindness is great toward us. And, and, and the truth of the Lord endureth forever. Praise ye the Lord. God's desire, even in the Old Testament, was that the nations would praise Him. That the nations would, would magnify His name. And, and you and I ought to be about this, because why? Rome should have been about that. Rome sometimes would, maybe they, maybe they were like me and you, we get guilty of the, uh, you know, my four no more mentality. Let's just keep it here. You know, this is great. We got the gospel. 
But, but Rome was, hey, all roads led to Rome. We understand. It was a happening place. It was a place of commerce and movement. And, but, but hey, Rome, let's not keep that message to ourselves. Let's get it out. Let's get the message to all nations, Rome. Let's be about gospel evangelism around the world. And I'm thankful I'm preaching to a church that, that emphasizes that, that has a heart for the world because you do. You have missionaries you support and, and people you, you encourage all around the world. It's great. Let's be about it. Are you, are you involved with it personally? I hope you are. I hope you're involved with it personally. Getting involved in the missions program of, of Boylan Springs Baptist Church and saying, hey, look, what can I do around the world? Because Rome was to be about preaching Jesus to all nations. Why? Why? Because it was manifest to them. You see verse 26? But now is made manifest. It's been revealed to you, Rome. Hey, Rome, it's been made manifest to you, so now you have the responsibility to go and make it manifest to others, right? It, it, why? it was the mystery. It was the mystery before the foundation of the earth. What was the mystery? Well, how that Christ came, born of a virgin, lived a perfect and sinless life, went to the cross for the sins of the entire world, 1 John 2, right? And died, dead, died for the sins of humanity. But then third, three days later, he rose again victorious. And he's alive right now. And he's seated on the right hand of the Father. The Bible says he makes intercession for us. And aren't you thankful for a Jesus who's alive? What a God. That's the mystery that was kept secret since the world began. But now it's been made manifest to them. They're born again. They're saved. Now it's been made manifest to you and me. We're born again. We're saved. So now we have the responsibility in return to go make it manifest to other people. You understand? It's beautiful. Remember when Tristan and I found out we were expecting a little baby uh, at the time, it was Logan, our first one, and, and I, I want to know the gender. So I said, Tristan, what's it going to be? Is it going to be a boy or a girl? She said, no, we're going to do this thing called a gender reveal. And I don't know if you've heard of those before, but man, I hate them. I, don't, I didn't want to have anything to do with it because it meant that I had to wait. You know, I didn't want to wait. Patience, not for me. Let's go, you know. Let's find out blue clothes for a boy, pink clothes for a girl. Let's get this thing moving. Well, Tristan really wanted to do a gender reveal, so she decided, you know, I thought I could get it at the ultrasound. So we went to the ultrasound, and I played along, you know, went blindfold. But then afterwards, I went to the nurse and said, ma'am, uh, that's for me. She had a little envelope of uh, the gender. And she said, actually, no, no, no. Uh, per your wife's request, you can't have this. And I said, what in the world? What are you talking about? Tristan had beat me to the punch. So she gave it to Tristan. Tristan went out the door, and waiting outside of the doctor's office was her best friend there in Knoxville. And she gave it to her best friend, and her best friend took off. And, man, that thing was long gone. I don't know where it was. It might have been at a, at a safe in the bottom of the Atlantic Ocean, for all I know. You know, it was gone. And I was frustrated for weeks. You know, I'd go to sleep thinking, is it going to be a boy? I wake up thinking, is it going to be a girl? What's it going to be? You know, I was frustrated. And it was just boiling in me for weeks, you know. And finally the day comes, we're there. We invite family and friends to a gender reveal. And, and I'm, I'm just wanting to find out what it is. And Tristan wants to play these silly little games. And I said, Tristan, we're not doing it. Let's just go. Let's move on. You know, I'm itching. And so she said, no, just be patient. Let's uh, everybody gather around. There's a table like this size here. And there's a bunch of cupcakes and all vanilla cupcakes with vanilla icing. Looks the exact same. And she said, everybody grab a cupcake. And so I grabbed a cupcake, and, and I said, Tristan, I don't really want to eat this cupcake. I want to find out what the gender is. And she said, no, just be patient. I feel like she tells me that all the time. Just be patient. You know? And uh, so she said, on the count of three, everybody bite into your cupcake. So uh, she said, one, two, three. And we all bit into our cupcake, you know. And mine was just vanilla cupcake with vanilla icing, nothing special. But I, but I heard my mother-in-law behind me, and she was kind of screaming hysterically. So I turned around to see my mother-in-law, and she had blue icing all over her face. And what Tristan had done was she injected the cupcake with blue icing, and blue icing represented we're going to have a boy. And, and man, everybody started cheering and shouting, and it was a fun time. We took confetti and popped the confetti, and it was just, you know, whatever. You know what, what made that so fun? It was a mystery. But you know what made it more fun? It was revealed. You understand? It was revealed. The mystery was revealed, and I know it's a silly illustration, but hey, listen. In a like manner, the Holy Spirit saying, Rome, listen. The gospel is the mystery that was revealed since the foundation of the, of the world. 
This is that mystery that the prophets wanted to look into. This is the mystery that God uh, even prophesied of in in Genesis chapter 3. This is the mystery that that the prophets spoke about. This is the mystery, and and you have it. It's how that Christ died for you, and He loved you, and He went to the cross for you, and he, He was raised again for you, but not only for you, but for the sins of the entire world. So let's get busy about getting this message to those who've been, who have been blood by, they just don't know. They just have no clue. They have no clue what Jesus has done for them. And without faith in, them, in Christ, they're going to spend eternity without him. So let's get busy, Rome. Hey, Rome, get busy about it today. Let's get busy about getting the gospel to people who just don't simply know. And the beautiful thing about America is the nations are coming to us. Isn't it great? I mean, God's brought them to you. They're, they're down the street. They're across the road. Sometimes they're our neighbors. They're all over. The, I can take you to Atlanta where I, where I live, and there's Indians and, and Mexicans and, and people from Africa. and every, They're everywhere. Man, it's awesome. God's brought them to us, and we ought to be about getting the gospel to these people. Be about getting the gospel to the nations. Thirdly and last thing, I'm done. Look at verse 27. Hey, Rome, preach Jesus. Hey, Rome, uh, pro- proclaim this message to all nations. Thirdly and lastly, we should look at verse 27. Let's just read it. To God only wise be glory through Jesus Christ forever. Amen. I think thirdly and lastly, we should prioritize the glory of God. That's what I think. You see that there in verse 27? To God only wise be glory. Hey, listen, we give glory where glory is rightfully due. We prioritize the glory of God in all things, Rome. Hey, don't, let's not give glory to man. We give glory to the only wise God who's worthy of it. Through Jesus Christ forever, right? Forever and ever. First Corinthians, just a page over, 131, the Bible says that according as it is written, he that glorieth, let him glory in who? The Lord. We glory in God. Hey, Rome, be about glorying in Jesus. We glory in Him. Sometimes we can become guilty of that nasty five-letter word, right, called pride, right? Uh, we can. Uh, six things that the Lord hate, yea, seven are an abomination. Number one's what? Proud look. Sometimes we can get, we can get sick of that, man. Remember uh, if he, uh, Philippians 2? Let nothing be done through strife or vainglory. Sometimes we can get full of vainglory. With the praise of man, the applause of man, glory that's really just fleeting. It's vain. It's vanity. It's, it's fickle, right? But the glory that, ex- that extends forever, the glory that goes on forever and ever is what? It's the glory of God. That's the glory we ought to be prioritizing in our lives as a body of Christ, as individuals, getting zealous and, zeal- and jealous, really, for the glory of Almighty God. And the Apostle Paul wrote something in Galatians 6. Uh, I think it was 14. You know, wrote half the New Testament and planted churches, probably the greatest missionary ever other than Jesus Christ himself. But he said something. He said in Galatians 6, 14, God forbid that I should glory, saving the cross of my Lord Jesus Christ. Remember that? He said, I'm not going to glory myself, but I will glory my God. Isn't that beautiful? And we as Christians and as a church can glory in Jesus. When, when souls continue to get saved here at Boylan Springs, we glory in our God. Hey, when things continue to good happening here, we glory in our God. Maybe one day I'll be able to write back and say, man, God saved an African today. Praise the Lord. May no glory go to the Wilkerson's. May all glory go to the only wise God, right? He's the one who's worthy of it all. God is zealous for glory. He wants it. It's all throughout the Bible. And I remember I just finished uh, in my, my devotions. It was J- Jeremiah, I think chapter 9. Jeremiah chapter 9 and verse 23. The Lord said, and thus saith the Lord, let not the wise man glory in his wisdom. Remember? Let not the mighty glory in his might. Let not the rich man glory in his riches. But let him that glorieth Glory in this, that he understandeth and knoweth me, that I am the Lord, which does, I exercise righteousness and judgment and loving kindness in the earth. And in these things do I delight, saith the Lord. You know what God's telling Jeremiah? Hey, tell the people that they can glory in 
knowing me and understanding me. As you're a Christian, you can glory in that. Do you know God? Do you know God? Do you understand him? Let's get to know Jesus. Man, he's worthy of it all. Hey, Rome, preach, preach Jesus. Hey, Rome, let's proclaim this message to all nations. And let's prioritize the glory of God. Hey, Christian, let's do the same. Let's be about the gospel business this week for the honor and glory of